Welcome to the Medical Moments Podcast, brought to you by the Palm Beach Health Network. Each episode, we will bring you the latest health and wellness information to keep you and your family well. Now, here are the hosts of Medical Moments, Laura Albertini and Ryan Lieber. Hey, Laura. Good to talk to you again. How's everything going? Hey, Ryan. Uh, you know, things are good. It's just I can't believe that we're already in April. You know, time just seems to be flying. Yeah, 2021 already is just zipping by. And we have another new episode that we're bringing you here on the Palm Beach Health Network's Medical Moments podcast. This week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Antonio Beltran, who is a urologist on staff at Good Samaritan Medical Center. And it is so important, Laura, especially for men, to get checked out yearly, especially if you're of a certain age, to get a prostate exam. Because prostate cancer is something that is so common amongst men as you get older. So it is very important to get your screenings and to get checked because if found early, you can very much make sure that it is no longer an issue for you. So uh, we got the chance to talk to Dr. Beltran and he gave us some really good insight about what prostate cancer is all about and how to treat it as well. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, did you know that um, prostate cancer is the second most common cancer in men other than skin cancer? So those screenings that you talked about and that Dr. Beltran talked about, you know, are what are most important. Um, And then we also got into a little bit more detail about, you know, the different treatment options available at the Palm Beach Health Network and even, you know, what a patient can expect years into their recovery. Yeah, absolutely. So without any further ado, here is our interview with urologist Dr. Antonio Beltran. Dr. Beltran, thank you so much for joining us here on the Medical Moments podcast today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's great to talk to you. Obviously, it is um, so important for men once they reach a certain age uh, to have their prostates checked. And prostate cancer is something that is extremely uh, more and more common amongst men. First, if, if you can just kind of give the broad definition and generalization of what is prostate cancer and what ultimately occurs when someone has prostate cancer. Sure. So, um, you know, prostate cancer, like any other cancer in the body, is basically normal tissue that has learned to grow in an abnormal fashion and normally super fat, you know, growing faster than, than normal. And that's why we call it a cancer. Um, your body normally removes cells that start to grow out of control like that. But some people end up with the cancerous kind of cells. So prostate cancer is typically like any other cancer in the body. Um, it has a history of being known as a little slower growing Um, But that doesn't mean that it's not a cancer. Unfortunately, 35,000 people a year die from prostate cancer. We diagnose about 200,000 people a year with prostate cancer. So the good news is that the vast majority of people who get diagnosed are either cured or living with prostate cancer and ultimately die from something else. And so do we know what what causes prostate cancer? Um, And if yes, you know what, if there are any risk factors that contribute to that? So, a very interesting question. You know, the the science has been all over the 
the map in the last 20 years and 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 they do produce articles on a yearly basis um some some key things as you read through all the different literature in there uh prostate cancer does have a genetic component in other words if your father or your uncle on your father's side not necessarily your mother's side um if they had prostate cancer, then more than then you have a higher risk of having prostate cancer. It changes from one in six, one in seven to one in three. So certainly a genetic component boosts your risk, but it doesn't mean that you're actually going to develop prostate cancer. The other risk factors we talk about are environmental. Um, we also know that the incidence of prostate cancer in Japan is almost zero. But yet, if a person from Japan moves to the United States and adopts the American diet and way of life, their risk factors become that of any other American. And just as a note, the highest risk per person per capita in the con in, in the world for prostate cancer is actually Jamaica. Wow, that's really interesting information for sure. Now, Dr. Beltran, obviously when men um, hit a certain age, a prostate exam, uh, which sometimes can probably, well, let's just be honest, not the most comfortable thing for, for men when they have to get checked, but it is a necessity. What is the um, kind of official age uh, for somebody when they should start getting examinations from their doctor for their prostate? Sure. So the guidelines generally state that uh, we screen men from the ages of 50 to 70. Now, some of these guidelines have been moving around the board in the most recent years. Um, initially, we were screening people up to 75, but the new guidelines say, well, we only need to screen to 70. So it's really a personal choice as to how long you want to screen for prostate cancer. If you have a family history, it is not unreasonable to start checking a PSA around the age 40. The official guidelines may indicate that 45 is fine, but in my career of the 20 years, I have seen several people in their early 40s develop prostate cancer. So if you have a family history, I would recommend that you start at age 40. And it's a yearly examination um, with a blood test and then obviously the digital rectal and examination. And what about symptoms? Because um, I feel like I read that, you know, most cases, at least the early stages, you know, don't really show symptoms. Um, so if you're in a more advanced stage, you know, what, what should people be looking for um, if they're not getting their annual screenings? Sure. And that's, so that's why we really want to do annual screenings because you're, you hit the nail on the head there um, with, especially in prostate cancer and most cancers, when it's an early stage, most people do not have any symptoms. By the time you develop a symptom of difficulty with urination or prostate cancer, one of the first places it likes to spread to is to the bones. So people will actually present with bone pain. But by the time we get there, you know, the disease is, is far advanced and non-curable and only in the controllable Dr. Stage. Beltran, when men go in for what's called a PSA, if you can kind of explain what that's all about, and depending on the number, doctors will either uh, kind of give the watch for it and we'll just see how it develops or immediate surgery is needed. Um, can you kind of go into detail about that and, and what that's all about for when men go in to see their doctor for that number? Sure. So, um, you know, PSA has for a long time, it, it, it was a very popular thing. And then it went through a series of years 
where it kind of got bashed, even by the scientific community as not being very sensitive or accurate, which made us rethink how we use PSA. So what I'm here to tell you is that PSA as an annual screening test is actually a very good test. Is it the best test? Is it the most accurate test? No. But what makes PSA the most accurate is that you actually check it year in and year out. You want to check it at the same laboratory every time, not the same physical laboratory, but maybe with the same company, because there are multiple different kinds of machines that PSA get tested through, and sometimes there's variability between the results. Now, if you get your PSA on a yearly basis by the same company, what you want to do is you want to look for stability, or in other words, you want to look so that the PSA is not rising at a at an exceedingly fast rate. And in fact, we talk about PSA velocity. How fast is PSA rising? It should never rise more than 0.75 per year. So if your PSA rises faster that year over year, then that becomes a suspicious for making the urologist want to do some further testing. So PSA can rise gently over the years, but again, PSA velocity is a very very good indicator. So you're not always looking at the absolute PSA, but you're looking at trending the PSA. Once the PSA is abnormal, then there's further testing we can do. There's a new test out there called a 4K score. I say new, it's about four or five years old. And this basically involves three different kinds of PSA tests, plus a different test called HK2. And it puts it into an algorithm and then what it does is it gives you a result of percentage risk of having aggressive prostate cancer. And so while it's not the end-all, be-all test either, and that's why we don't routinely run it, what it does show us is increased risks for patients who are putting the whole story together. And then finally, if your PSA is kind of abnormal and we did the 4K score and we're a little suspicious, the most recent advantage that we've done is now we're doing prostate MRIs. Prostate MRIs have been around for probably, well, more than two years, but two years in, in the sense that it's really become standard in the community. So when you have an abnormal PSA or an abnormal 4K score, what you want to do is get a prostate MRI looking for any abnormal nodules or spots inside your prostate. This allows us when we do a prostate biopsy to get a more targeted biopsy of a suspicious area. We'll be right back with Dr. Antonio Beltran after this. Hey Ryan, did you know that Good Samaritan Medical Center has over 20 specially trained robotic surgeons in a variety of specialties? The Robotic Surgical Institute at Good Samaritan Medical Center offers some of the latest advancements in minimally invasive robotic-assisted surgical procedures, including urologic conditions like prostate cancer. Yeah, that's right, Laura. Using robotics in prostectomies, also known as the removal of the prostate, surgeons can take a minimally invasive approach to this delicate procedure. Rather than open surgery, the robotic system allows surgeons to use small incisions with micro-instruments operating in a tightly confined area that contains many nerves that affect urinary control and sexual function. To find out if robotic surgery is right for you, visit www.goodsamaritanmc.com. 
And now, more of our interview with urologist Dr. Antonio Beltran. What are the next steps, you know, in regards to treatment? Is it surgery? Um, is it radiation? Uh, can you just kind of walk us through that a little bit? Sure. So, um, unfortunately, you know, we talk about prostate cancer and we like to think that it's all one disease, but in fact, it's a, a range of disease aggressiveness. Some people have very slow growing prostate cancers. Other people have a much more aggressive prostate cancer. And so the first thing we do once we diagnose, we look at how aggressive the prostate cancer looks. And we base that on something called a Gleason score. And once you get the score, it determines what kind of range you fall into. So in fact, approximately 25% of all prostate cancers we diagnose, we're able to perform what's called active surveillance. In other words, no treatment's necessary because the disease grows so slowly that we don't really need to intervene. Now, unfortunately, the vast majority of people actually are diagnosed in the intermediate range or in the aggressive high risk range. And the high risk is high risk for developing spread. So once you have the diagnosis and we know how aggressive your Gleason score is, we usually start with a baseline workup to make sure the disease is still contained inside the prostate. This may involve either a CAT scan of the pelvis or even a bone scan, because again, prostate cancer has a high affinity, which means a high likelihood of traveling to the bones. Once those tests are negative, we wanna give you what's called definitive therapy. We wanna to try to cure you. The two mainstay therapies today are really surgery or radiation. These two have the highest cure rates and statistically, they're about the same. There are obviously some nuances between the treatments. There are also other treatments for prostate cancer that are a little less known, and they generally do not have as high a cure rate. So I'm going to avoid talking about those today because I want to stick to telling people that you should really try to stay with mainstay, highest cure type of treatments. Dr. Beltran, I feel like there's so much information now out there about, you know, surgical treatments or radiation, as you mentioned. Uh, people have, uh, you know, talked about surgery that spares the nerve endings. So um, there's, I guess, less likely uh, issues moving forward, or some people want everything removed altogether. Some people do ablations. Um, I, I was wondering if if possible, if you're able to kind of, you know, break down what maybe some of these different procedures are and is there sort of a, a certain um, sort of like guideline um, that is, is best practice overall for when you're removing the prostate on someone? Sure. So um, in general, our best practice policies are we try to spare the nerves, whether you're doing a open radical prostatectomy or a robotic laparoscopic radical prostatectomy. Basically, the nerves that you're speaking of are the nerves that help us gain control of our urination as well as give us erections. And so we try to sweep those nerves. They're actually stuck to the prostate. If you imagine a, a clock, they're stuck to the prostate at the five and seven o'clock regions. So we have to carefully get and remove these nerves without stretching or cutting them to preserve 
your erections and help with your continence. Once that's achieved, you obviously don't want to go too far in and actually touch the prostate because you, there could be cancer that gets outside the prostate. So as a surgeon, what I look for is if you have aggressive disease on one side of your prostate, I may actually take the nerves on that side because we, again, you have to remember the first thing about the surgery is it's for cure. So if, if we're afraid that the cancer may have spread beyond what we call the capsule or border of the prostate, you actually do want to take a little extra tissue off that side to make sure you have what we call negative margins. So then you spare the side that the cancer's not on. And unfortunately, sometimes you have a person comes to your office who has cancer on both sides of the prostate and it's very aggressive and a lot of cancer within the prostate tissue, in which case... The, the best practice policy is to take the nerves on both sides. Because again, this is for cure. And while we want to avoid, you know, side effects of surgery, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and try to cure the disease and deal with the other issues down the road. And once somebody's had prostate surgery and the cancer um, or the majority has been taken out, what are the next steps for that person um, post-surgery? So, um, we talk about PSA as a screening test, but PSA is actually a much more specific and sensitive test as a tumor marker. In other words, we check PSA can follow prostate cancer much more accurately after the diagnosis than as a screening test. So normally after surgery, we begin to check PSAs and it varies from physician to physician. Some people will check it every three months. Some people will check it every six months for the first one or two years. And then normally we follow it out to 10 years because as I spoke earlier, it is a slower growing disease. But if your PSA, let's say you have surgery, your PSA should be undetectable. Once your PSA remains undetectable for 10 years, you're considered a cure where you don't need to necessarily continue to checking the marker. So Dr. Beltran, you um, work for the Palm Beach Health Network, uh, which is, you know, a uh five hospitals within Palm Beach County. And so what would you say to our listeners, you know, as to why they should um, seek out the Palm Beach Health Network for their healthcare needs, you know, specifically if they're experiencing symptoms uh, for prostate cancer? Again, so uh, I would really stress to the listeners that you really want to have a yearly PSA done. And if there's anything abnormal about your PSA, and you should really ask about what your number is rather than just rely on your primary care to tell you that, oh, it's normal. But if you do have an issue with your PSA, you really need to see a urologist. And in the Palm Beach Health Network, uh, we are blessed in the system that we actually have and own our own MRI ultrasound fusion biopsy capabilities. Um, we also have MRI ultrasound capabilities in the other hospitals, but the specific one that's owned is owned by Good Samaritan Hospital, Palm, part of Palm Beach Health Network. Based on that, we also have a high number of robots to treat your uh, cancer surgically, and we have an excellent cancer referral base if we decide to go for radiation. And our thanks to Dr. Antonio Beltran for some really great insight and information about prostate cancer and prostate exams. You know, it's so important. I can't stress this enough. 
Uh, you know, if you have a loved one or a family member or a friend who is going through it, um, certainly encourage anyone who uh, may have a family history, Laura, to go make sure they get checked out as soon as possible. Yeah, he really stressed the importance of screening. And, you know, the good news is, is that, you know, most men who are diagnosed, um, you know, become survivors because he talked about how it's a slow um, growing cancer that that can be treated. So that's the good news. Yeah, absolutely is. And we are happy that we were able to get some time with Dr. Beltran and chat with him about all things that have to do with prostate cancer. So you or someone you know may be able to get some better information about it. So with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Medical Moments Palm Beach Health Network podcast. For Dr. Beltran and for Laura, I'm Ryan. We appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to go where podcasts are available to rate and leave a review. Also, tell a friend about our show and don't miss our next episode. For more valuable information, visit our website at palmbeachhealthnetwork.com and visit our social media sites to learn more about local events and happenings at our five hospitals. Thanks for tuning in to Medical Moments, a podcast brought to you by the Palm Beach Health Network, a community built on care.